Good evening. This is Lee Wilkins, your co-host for Thinking Out Loud. And with me in the KBI studio today is Professor Wendy Rinke, who is the director of Mizzou's new National Center for School Rural Mental Health. Wendy, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, well, the first thing I have to ask is, did I get the title right? And I know that they're cooperating institutions. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, Mizzou was awarded a um, the National Center for School Rural Mental Health um, by the U.S. Department of Education, and we have two other institutions alongside us, so the University of Montana and the University of Virginia is also working with us. And Montana, I think, is stereotypically a rural state. I was born in the Mountain West, so that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. But Virginia has, and in some ways it's a lot like Missouri, isn't it? It has urban as well as rural. It does. Uh, they're all sort of unique geographical locations, which is why um, I think our, what was one of the reasons our center was funded is because, like you say, Montana, very rural, frontier schools out there. And then Virginia has the Appalachia um, mountains there. And so they have a lot of rural um, poverty as well. And then we have, as you know, Missouri. <laughs> okay. And so since you described a little bit, so mm -hmm. what was, if not unique, at least fundable about Missouri's mix, do you think? Yeah, I think one of the things they liked was our focus on school mental health. Um, so serving youth who may uh, need supports for mental health. Okay. And um I mean, anything else, anything that the fact that that we have a lot of rural schools, some of which are in desperate need, at least if I understand it, in desperate need mm -hmm. of funding for lots of things, not just counseling and mm -hmm. mental health sort of services. Um, how much of that is folded in? But I think one of the reasons that the application was uh, so fundable is that we've been doing a lot of work here in the rural schools in Missouri. Um, so I'm part of a project that is working in Boone County. Um, for the past five years, we have the Boone County School Mental Health Coalition, another long title, mm -hmm. um, working in our six school districts here in Boone County, which five of those, um, as you might know, is rural. Um, and so a lot of the work that we've been doing in those districts, we are now applying to uh, the rural center, which we hope to then be able to disseminate nationally. Okay. So, and I'm going to get this one additional piece of background out. Mm -hmm. This was not a small funding award, right? It was in the neighborhood of $10 million, but I never did understand over how many years and if it will be renewed and all that other fun stuff. Yes. So the National Center is a five-year award for $10 million. And over the course of those five years, we will be developing um, tools and professional development for rural schools to implement and we will evaluate whether it's effective in supporting youth with mental health problems. Okay, so now let's bore into that just mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit. I know that initially this was based a lot on your research, mm -hmm. and in Boone County, um, I, since my daughter is a Hickman grad, mm -hmm. uh, not what she would have said would be a rural school. Mm -hmm. So can you just tell us a little bit about what you've learned and how rural and urban might be different, but also might be similar, if that makes any sense? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, they are similar. We, they have a lot of the same issues in their buildings. You know, children bring some things with them and the schools. We all bring our baggage. Yes, Absolutely. we do. And so I wouldn't say that that's much different in rural schools. One of the bigger differences, though, is the resources available to rural schools. So often they're very small. Um, you go to rural schools, the teachers are playing 
many different roles, even superintendents. And one of our superintendents um, in the last few years was the superintendent of the school district as well as the bus driver. So they just wear a lot of different hats. Wow. (laughs) And are expected to do a lot of different things. And so I think that's one of the main things that you see that's different in rural schools. Um, so it's it's some of its resources, some of it, I guess, what mm-hmm. I would say, it's it's people. It's the mm-hmm. fact that um, a Columbia school might have a guidance counselor office, but um, a rural school, I'm gonna I'm gonna hesitate to name communities because people will think I'm stereotyping, and I don't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. But that a rural school might not have the funding for that, or that counselor might be working among two or three different schools. Is that is that right? That's right. Um, And a lot of our rural schools don't have school psychologists, whereas if you're in Columbia Public Schools, everyone has a school psychologist available to them. So they are limited in what types of resources they have, particularly around supporting behavioral and social health of students. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about sort of what the, the, the mental health issues are that your research turned up, because I'm assuming that some of that does have national implications. Absolutely. Um, you know, what we're, we're, we see in our school buildings are um, youth who show up who are not ready for school, so early on, kindergarten, first grade, not having sort of the readiness skills to be able to uptake um, a lot of the academics. Um, you also see kids coming in with some behavioral issues that are challenging for teachers, and that's one area that teachers struggle is classroom management. I have done a lot of work in that area, um, and so we work around supporting that. So we're really trying to catch early indicators of later mm-hmm. later uh, mental health problems. So just things like um, having poor social skills, you know, um, building some social skills, um, building friendship skills, those types of things are some of the things that we're trying to catch early so that we can help support youth and, and sort of prevent some of those more um, disruptive problems later in life. So I know that there's some research that says, like, especially for urban populations, some of it begins literally in infancy when you have parents who talk to their kids more or are able to mm-hmm. read to their kids more because they're not holding down two and three jobs or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are those the same sorts of things that you were uncovering in your research? Um, certainly, yes. So I, I think that uh, rural schools face similar challenges and um, families having to have multiple jobs Um having single families, you know, mom trying to raise everyone and take care of everything. And so um, our rural schools have those same challenges. So as I'm assuming that in some sense, this is nested. I mean, as it's gotten more difficult to be a farmer, so I'm going to use air quotes around farmer, Mm -hmm. but as, as farms have gotten more corporatized, as the pressure to be profitable increases, all of those sorts of things, that those are things that kind of travel down into the family. Mm-hmm. And, and and so the kids pack them up in their baggage and take them to school on the first day. Absolutely. And so um, you also said about behavioral challenges. Uh, and what can you describe what some of those might be? Um, you've said ability to make friends, sort of early social skills. Um, my husband, the elementary school teacher, used to say, yeah, we teach them to stand in line. Uh, so, I mean, what are those sorts of things very concretely that, that people might understand and, and, and say, oh, yeah, I've seen that? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think our, our students bring a host of challenges uh, with them. Uh, if You know, if they haven't been in, in preschool, so they haven't been exposed to sort of 
education systems, uh, they show up and they think that they can run around and don't have to pay attention or don't have to sit down. And so a lot of it is just a learning process of sort of figuring out what school is and, uh -huh. and how you learn in school. Um, now, some kids will pick that up pretty quickly, and then other kids have a little bit more challenge in learning those types of behaviors. And so we just need to spend a little bit more time with them. And um, I'm saying, is is preschool as common in our rural communities in Boone County as it is in Columbia? Or is that maybe one of the urban-rural sort of distinctions, if you will? I would say that that is a distinction. So uh, preschool is available, but it's not, you know, you don't see the head starts in uh, the rural settings as much as you do in more suburban or urban settings. And so a lot of our, you know, students um, aren't going to preschools necessarily. So in a, so the, the kids, when they show up, sometimes they haven't sort of learned, I don't want to say learned how to learn, because that's part of, you know, K through three in many ways. Right. But um, they don't literally know how to how to do just the basic stuff that we kind of take for granted. Yeah. They, oh. They've never sat in a classroom with 20 other kids and had to listen to one person. Yes. And when you think about that, that is just a weird way to go through life, I guess. I mean, I can understand why that would seem a little odd. Um, so you also talked about other kinds of behavioral challenges. What mm -hmm. sorts of things are, are you seeing? Well, um, you know, I think te teachers struggle most with kids who um, have sort of externalizing, what we call externalizing behaviors. So being disruptive, calling out, um, hitting other students, taking things, those types of issues. Uh-huh. Um, and those are all things that, you know, we can help students learn how to navigate better. There's also what we call internalizing problems where kids ha uh, show up who are very anxious. Um, and so then they display behaviors because they are worried or fearful um, that may get in the way of their learning. Um, and also kids demonstrate some depression symptoms sometimes, which interfere with learning. And so we, we try to work around all those different issues. Sometimes those kids are the same kid. So yeah. both internalizing and externalizing problems. Yes, I, I was going to say that that's a that's a very full suitcase to come to school with. Yes. So, and are any of those uniquely rural? I mean, I know from just my general reading that depression in school age kids is becoming more common. I guess that would be the, what I've what I've understood. Mm -hmm. So that would obviously be a place where rural and urban are pretty much more the same than they are different. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it's that different. Again, I think it's the amount of resources that are available. So I think poverty is a big um, risk factor for those things. And so we see poverty in rural settings as well as poverty in urban settings. Mm -hmm. And those those ch those children bring a lot of things with them to school. Okay. Um, so for, and I know for the kids who are anxious, so now I'm going to ask a question, are any of these gendered at all? I mean, I tend to think of the more internal one as being maybe more about little girls and the external one more about little boys, but I'm not sure whether that's right or not. I would say, um, in general, that's sort of true in many cases, but it, but there's definitely girls who have externalizing problems <laughs> and boys who have internalizing problems. And so the interventions are very similar regardless of gender. Okay, so talk a little bit about the interventions because I'm assuming that in rural schools, basically what you're talking about is the teacher slash superintendent slash bus driver, maybe with some help from the parents here. So what are the yeah. sorts of things that, that you're helping with or providing? Um, one of the things that we will be that we use here in uh, Boone County and that we'll be uh, working to disseminate to the rural schools nationally is an assessment system that we use 
that is um, teachers complete on students in their classrooms K to 12, and then um, students grades three to 12 also uh, complete this assessment on their on themselves. Uh huh. So, so it's just a real brief survey, and it basically is looking for those those things that I talked about. So early social skills deficits, not having friends, um, struggling with externalizing behavior or internalizing behavior. And that tool then allows schools to identify early uh, which kids could use supports. So that's just an identification tool. And once we do that, we link those um, students to evidence-based interventions or interventions that we know are effective for um, alleviating the symptoms that they're showing based on what they show on their survey. Okay, so um, talk to me about... Um, this is my all my husband's I think the challenging student for him was the one who externalized past a certain point you know mm-hmm. the talking was one thing but the hitting the taking other students property that becomes a little bit I think a little bit bigger struggle so what are some specific tools that you're you're going to give teachers to help those kinds of kids in essence get a better handle on their own emotions yeah so those, those students um, would show up on the survey as having self-regulation issues, so uh-huh. not being able to regulate their emotions. They get angry quickly, um, and they would also show up as having some disruptive problems. And so what we tend to do is really talk to that teacher about what they're seeing in the classroom, what are the major problems, and then we try to find a replacement behavior for those. So what is the opposite of that? So if they're talking all the time, what do we want them to do instead? And so then we teach them, the teacher wants you to just raise your hand Uh and then have the teacher call on them as soon as they see that, as soon as they raise their hand, call on them, let them talk. Um, And so over time, that's a simple behavior that I'm talking about, but over time that student will become more fluent in raising their hand and sort of holding back their impulse to talk. Uh Um, And so we do a lot of interventions like that for those students. Um, There's also small group interventions that teach them to control their anger, um, give them coping thoughts, helping them understand that um, perspectives of others. So sometimes they think people are out to get them. Uh But if you kind of talk through that, they understand, oh, that was an accident. They didn't mean to step on my shoe. Uh And therefore, you don't get angry at them. So we teach them some sort of cognitive skills as well. So, and when you say we teach, so mm-hmm. are you and others actually going out and sitting down with uh, teachers one-on-one and talking about these things? I mean, how does that all get from your research into the actual classroom? Yeah, so Boone County has the luxury of having this funding source, um, the Children's Services Fund here in town, that funds um, us to have school-based mental health clinicians who go out to the schools and help counselors and teachers in supporting those students. Now, the National Rural Center, because we want to build it so that it can be widely disseminated, Mm -hmm. part of our process over the next two to three years is really building professional development modules. And we're expecting to do some sort of telehealth, so zooming in with teachers to give, you know, sort of interview them, see their context, help them in those ways. But what we need to do is find ways to make these interventions feasible and still effective. Mm -hmm. So that is one of our challenges. Okay. (laughs) And when you say zooming in for those folks who don't have a young puppy at the house, that's a computer program, (laughs) right? It it will essentially, it's kind of, it's kind of like Skype. You'll be talking to somebody through their computer screen. That's correct. Uh, 
Yeah. So that's, you know, the technology these days is amazing. So I can, you know, I can zoom in with a teacher in Montana and she can sit with me at her desk and we can talk through what's going on in her classroom. I can give her ideas. She can tell me if she thinks that's going to work and, you know, and then follow up with her later and be like, what worked? What didn't work? And I can do that from Missouri. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, what about kids who seem like um, they're going along great and then life happens to them. They have a parent who becomes very ill or something awful happens to a sibling or um, even in Montana and even in Missouri and certainly in Virginia when there's a school shooting or something mm-hmm. else like that. Does your does your program look at all at those sorts of things or is it more the, what I want to say, the underlying mm-hmm. um, stuff? So this center and what we do here in Boone County has layers to it. So we have some prevention efforts where, based on the data that's collected through those surveys that I talked about, we can look at school level and say, are there interventions that we should do for the whole school, like a whole school social-emotional learning curriculum Mm -hmm. um, based on that data? And then we can also pinpoint, are there kids who might benefit from these, like, group interventions that we're talking about, or are there kids who need individual supports? So those sort of top tier kids would be our way of thinking of it. And they might get referrals to outside resources, individual types of interventions in the school. Um, Yes, so they would get more supports. Okay. I know one of the things about mental health in general is 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 the stigmatization. Um, we're pretty good with broken legs. We're less mm-hmm. good with broken psyches, if you if you want to say it that way. And you know when you say you've got data, so now all of a sudden there's file, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's a record, and all of a sudden there's something that can be tracked. Right. So how are you how are you dealing? How's the center dealing with those kinds of of questions? Mm-hmm. Um, well, all of those all of that data is incredibly confidential. So that's not shared with anyone outside of who needs to know in us in the school building. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, we have a campaign where we're looking at uh, destigmatizing some of the mental health issues for students. And you'd be surprised youth are way more open to this than I think um, their parents necessarily. I'm not that surprised. We we get them when they're young and some things are better. Yes. And and so in that way, I think one of the things that we need to think about with this National Center is how do we reach the adults in their life to help them understand that these struggles that their students are having is normal and there's lots of other students struggling with these same issues and we just want to catch it early and help support them. Uh-huh. And um, so the students and the individual data is privatized, um, and and you guys hold it very closely. But when it reaches the school, are there things that you are encouraging, requiring? I'm not even sure what the right word is there to make sure that that the the kids aren't tracked in a negative way? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we are very careful with um, how the data is used and making sure that schools understand that that data is there for the reason to identify and support students and and help them be better learners and nothing more than that. Um, So we're very careful about that. And I think, you know, if you talk to most school counselors or principals, they totally understand that and they really enjoy having this type of information Um, Because sometimes we're finding, you know, students in buildings who we wouldn't have known were struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think that's really helpful. I will say another thing that we do with the data is so you can you can look at this data at a school level and it doesn't identify any students. So we sort of aggregate it all together. And we've been giving it back to the youth in our buildings. 
So like the student council of high schools will say, hey, look, this is what is going on in your school based on this data. And they're coming up with really great ideas about how to like, oh, there's 30% of students in our school say they don't have someone to sit with at lunch. So then they come up with ideas about how to make sure everyone has someone to sit with at lunch. Um, the youth sometimes are much more creative than we are. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming that that might work better at the high school level than it, we say, would work in first grade. Yes. <laughs> we, yes, we've done it in high schools and middle schools. So those students um, sort of appreciate the opportunity to use that data for good. Uh-huh. Um, so I know that as um, as the spouse of a teacher, and you teach as I did, mm-hmm. um, teaching's a big job. There's a lot to do. Um, have you gotten... I don't want to say pushback, but have you gotten questions about this is just one more thing I've got to work into my day when mm-hmm. I'm already doing all this other stuff, not even mentioning the person who was the superintendent and the bus driver. Right. Um, how are you responding to teachers and administrators who really do have full plates already? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we don't get as much pushback as you would expect. I think the data collection itself is really um, quick. So if you're a teacher... Um, you're just going through and checking a box of each student in your classroom. Do they have this problem or not? It takes elementary teachers 10 minutes. So it's very quick, um, but then it gives a lot of information. Uh And then they're also getting supports on top of that. So they're struggling with some of these students regardless. So having someone who can come in and help with that, I think, is actually... Um, something that they appreciate. And so over time, it actually might lessen your difficult workload in, in some ways, or at least that would be the, the optimal outcome. Yes. So it's a five-year gig. You guys mm-hmm. are just starting. Um, I know that you can't predict how your own research is going to go, but what would you hope to see? What would you like to say, looking back five years from now, this is what this center has accomplished? Mm-hmm. I hope that we can take this um, system and interventions that we've been using here in Boone County and disseminate it nationally to all of our rural schools and that our rural schools find it useful and feasible and that in the end, um, we see students who are struggling less with social and behavioral issues in our buildings. And how are you going to know that this is happening? I guess I'll, I'll phrase it in in that way, because obviously that's a really long-term goal. Mm-hmm. And you might not know, and you've helped a first grader, you might not know till they've graduated from high school how mm-hmm. much that help has helped. Yeah. Um, so how are you going to get some sense of where are we on this, on this road? Yeah, I think one of the other unique features of the center is the assessment system that I've been talking about. We collect the same data on kids um, from kindergarten to 12th grade. And then if we disseminate the same assessment tool across hundreds of rural buildings, then we can look at what are our rural schools struggling with based on these indicators versus urban or suburban. Um, but that data will let us will show over time if we are actually impacting sort of the prevalence of some of these problems in our school buildings. And is there a companion urban school mental health uh, grantee center or something like that that you guys can sit down and hobnob together at a certain point? That would be great. Um, No, they have not funded an urban center. Um, I think um, the Department of Education was really focused on rural schools because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times they get left out of some of the research simply because they're too small. Um, You know, if I'm going to do... Uh, what we call a randomized clinical trial where I have to take 
50 schools and randomize them and half of them gets an intervention and the other half doesn't, you can't do that in rural schools that have two buildings. Right. So they've been left out a lot of the opportunities to be involved in research, and I think that's why the U.S. Department of Education is focused on rural schools. Okay. Um, Wendy Rangi, Professor Rangi, thank you very much. Um, If people want to learn more or know more about this or they themselves think that they have a student who might benefit from this, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, yeah, sure. They can can email me. My email is rinke, R-E-I-N-K-E-W, at missouri.edu. Okay. And obviously, in Boone County, for students who are struggling, there are folks on site or who can be on site Mm -hmm. to help with these problems. Is that right? That is right. Okay. And you are coordinating with them as well. Yes. All right. Um, Dr. Inke, thank you very, very much. Uh, This is Lee Wilkins for Thinking Out Loud about rural school mental health. Thanks for having me.